story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God. Jesus when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. As they waved palm branches and spread their coats on the road, they shouted, Hosanna! From Matthew 21, verses 9 and 11, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! So the multitude said, This is Jesus!
One evening, Jesus was eating supper with his disciples. He was trying to explain to them that he was going away, and they could not go with him. They didn't know he was talking about his death on the cross. He told them not to be sad and promised to come back for them someday. He was going to heaven to prepare a place in his father's house that would be big enough for all God's children. From John 14, verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Philistines flee for their lives. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame them. This is a day of victory for Israel and personal glory for King Saul. Who started (laughs) it all in the first place? Ah, Well, I hear tell it was Prince Jonathan. Seems as if he personally sneaked up on the Philistine sentry. They were so surprised, they became confused and started fighting, not even stopping to notice who they were fighting. (laughs) Mostly, it was their own men. (laughs) (laughs) That was when our own sentry noticed the confusion in the Philistine camp and reported it to the king. (laughs) That's what I understand. And King Saul, he's no fool, you know. Instantly, he took advantage of the situation. Quickly, he had General Abner call us to arms and gave us a lecture on the situation. So, men of Israel, warriors of the Lord God of Israel, I charge you, cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening and the battle is finished, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. Be quit yourselves like men, and our victory over the Philistines shall be complete and final. So... Just how King Saul expects us to fight and pursue the enemy on empty stomachs is beyond me. But he's the king and he... Oh, oh, do you see what I see? What? Where? That tree oozing out of that hollow place. Honey, it makes me hungrier than ever. Hey, let's eat some of it. No one will see us. Oh, but the curse Saul placed upon any man who ate anything. Ah. No, thanks. I fear that curse. I'd rather go hungry until the day is over. Yes, yes, I... I guess I would too, but... But tonight, after the battle, 
Watch me eat. <laughs> I think I'll eat an entire cow raw. Yeah, me too. We'd better get along. If we are found sitting here, we'd be considered deserters. Well, all right, let's go. <laughs> if we have the strength. And Israel smote the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, even though they were faint from hunger. And in the evening, at the end of the time of curse, the people pounced upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground, and they did eat them with the blood thereof. And it was told Saul, saying... Your Majesty. Yes, General Abner. The people sin, sire, for they eat flesh that is not properly drained of the blood thereof. <sighs> we'll see that it stops immediately. Well, they are hungry, Your Majesty, famished. Then bring oxen and sheep and have them properly cooked so every man may have his fill of meat. In the meantime, I shall build an altar unto the Lord, seeking forgiveness of their sins. I've just finished building an altar unto God for the remission of the people's sin. Has God accepted the offering? He has, Your Majesty. As High Priest, you will now seek counsel from God. Ask him if I am to continue pursuing the Philistines until the morning light. Determine if God will deliver them into my hand. Yes, Your Majesty. I am sorry to report, Your Majesty, that God did not answer my plea for guidance and information. God refused to answer you? He gave me no answer, sire. Well, ask him again and again until he does give you an answer. Yes, Your Majesty. It is of no use, Your Majesty. The Lord God of Israel does not answer. Oh, why? Why? Is there a reason God refuses to give me the information I seek? There is, Your Majesty. Well, pray tell. What? There is sin in Israel. Someone has disobeyed your command and has eaten food this day. Mm, so that's it. Uh, see that all men gather themselves here before me immediately. Men of Israel, soldiers of the Lord, you have fought well this day. You have bravely and courageously fought the enemy and vanquished them. Yet there, there is sin among you. My command to abstain from food during the day has been disobeyed. We shall determine who that man is, and he shall die the death of a traitor. Even though I am your king, I am subject to temptation and sin as well as any man. So is the crown prince, my son Jonathan. General Abner has prepared the drawing of lots to determine the guilty person. We shall start with the crown prince and myself as against the rest of you. All right, General, cast the lot and see if the guilty one is among the people, or between Jonathan and myself? Yes, Your Majesty. Well, the result, General? Come, come, where lies the guilt? Uh, well, between you and Jonathan, Your Majesty. <sighs> Cast the lot and see whether it be me or Jonathan. Yes, Your Majesty. Abner? The lot falls upon Jonathan, Your Majesty. Tell me, son, 
What sin have you done this day? Father, I was not present this morning when His Majesty gave the command that no man should eat anything until evening, and I did but taste a little honey with the end of a rod that was in mine hand. For this, I must die? I gave the command that whosoever disobeys shall die a traitor. God do so and more also, for thou shalt surely die, Jonathan. Your Majesty, you can see for yourself what the people think about thy son, Jonathan. He is a hero. I gave my word. Jonathan shall die. Shall Jonathan die? Who has wrought this great salvation in Israel? God forbid. He shall die as befits a traitor to Israel. As the Lord liveth, your majesty, there shall not one hair of Jonathan's head fall to the ground, for he hath done God's will and saved Israel this day. If I were you, your majesty... I would not further incur the wrath and displeasure of the crowd. But I am king, and I... I... <sighs> All right, Abner. I'll take your advice. So the people rescued Jonathan, that he died not. Then Saul left off pursuing the Philistines and went home to the royal palace. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible and Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Do not wait until some deed of greatness you may do. Do not wait to shed your light afar. To the many duties ever near you now be true. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor you may guide across the bar. Brighten the corner where Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bar, right in the corner where you are. So let the sun shine in, face it with a grin. Smilers never lose, frowners never win. So let the sun shine in, face it with a grin. Open up your heart and let the sun shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Every day I let my little light shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine. Every day I let my little light shine, shine, shine. Right in the corner where you are. Right in the corner where you are. Someone far from.
is Sam on Live with Sam. My guest today is my sister Lily, and she's here to talk about sleep. Sleep? I thought you said sheep. Lily, I noticed that you go to sleep each night right at 9 o'clock. Can you tell me why? Because I'm sleepy? But so many children at your age like to stay up much, much later. Yeah, and then they walk around the next day looking and acting like they're only half awake. My friend Sarah even falls asleep in class. Well, your friend Sarah doesn't understand how important sleep is to a growing mind and body. And you do? Sure. When you sleep, your body has time to heal. It's not busy digesting food or thinking about stuff. It just relaxes and fixes things. Fixes things like what? Oh, infections and different kinds of diseases. So sleeping is healing? Absolutely. And you don't snore in class. <laughs> I love it when Sarah does that, especially right after the teacher says something really serious. Everyone laughs and then Sarah wakes up and thinks someone told a joke. So she starts laughing too. Maybe you need to tell Sarah how important it is to sleep at night. No way. Then we wouldn't have anything to laugh at in class. Lily, we're supposed to teach people how to be healthy, not embarrass themselves in school. Okay, you're right. I'll call Sarah right now and wish her a good night. But it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, she needs all the sleep she can get. This is Live with Sam. Good night. I mean, goodbye. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Parents are supposed to obey God. Children are supposed to obey parents. Then they will be obeying God too and doing what is right. Ephesians 6 verse 1 Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is Peggy's Promise. Clara, Peggy called from her front porch, wait a minute, I want to tell you something. She hurried down the walk toward the gate where Clara stood waiting. What's so important, Clara asked. You look as if you'd found a million dollars or something. No, Peggy told her, I haven't found a million dollars or anything like it. I've got a job for tonight. I've been wanting to get a job so that I could help buy my school clothes, and now I've found one. I'm going to care for Mrs. Ross's twins. Mrs. Ross has to go and look after her sick mother for a few hours. 
Oh, that, Clara said. I wouldn't say that was much of a job. I took care of Mrs. Ross's twins once when they were tiny babies, but Mrs. Ross was so crabby I preferred not to work for her anymore. Clara began walking slowly away from the gate. Well, have fun, she said. Maybe you will like the way Mrs. Ross gives orders better than I did. Peggy went back to sit on the porch again. She felt uneasy. Was Clara jealous, or was Mrs. Ross really hard to work for? She saw Clara turn the corner toward Mary's house. It had been fun being friends with Clara and Mary. They were both very popular, and Peggy always felt popular when she was with them. Mrs. Ross was ready to leave when Peggy arrived. I'm so glad you're on time, she said as she showed Peggy into the house. This is a trying time for me, and I would feel much better if I could find somebody I knew I could depend on. I would like to tell you just what I expect you to do so that we will understand each other right at the start. I want you to promise me that you won't leave the house under any circumstances. If anything goes wrong with the twins, I want you to call me immediately. Will you promise? Yes, of course, Peggy said. You don't need to worry. I feel that I can trust you, Mrs. Rost said thoughtfully, but we had a very frightening experience with one girl who came to look after the twins, and I have worried ever since. I don't want to seem cross, but our children are very dear to us, and we can't take chances. I know, Peggy said. My parents are very strict about the way I take care of our baby. Mother says that his welfare must come first because he is so tiny and helpless. If you will give me the telephone number where I can reach you, I'll put it right here on the table by my books. After Mrs. Ross had gone, Peggy looked around to see if there was anything she should do before she started her homework. The twins were already sleeping peacefully. There were dishes in the kitchen that should be washed. She filled the sink with hot water and added soap. It would take only a few minutes, and then everything would be in order when Mrs. Ross came home. But before she could start the dishes, she heard a tapping at the door. She turned on the light and looked out. Clara and Mary were standing on the porch. We saw Mrs. Ross leave, Clara said. We thought maybe you would want to slip out for a few minutes and go with us to the drugstore for a soda. You wouldn't be gone over half an hour. I couldn't go, Peggy told her. I promised Mrs. Ross that I wouldn't leave the house. Something might happen to the twins. Don't be silly, Clara said. Nothing could possibly happen. You could lock the door. Get your coat and we'll be on our way. Peggy, Mary said, she sounded impatient. Are you coming or not? Maybe you don't want to be friends with us. Peggy thought a minute, then picked up her coat from the chair. She unlocked the screen and started out the door. Then she hesitated. No, she said. I can't do it. I promised. She stepped back into the house and hooked the screen door again. I want to be friends with you, but I can't break my promise. You sure do want to be friends with us, Mary laughed as she and Clara hurried down the dark street. Peggy knew that was the end of their friendship, but there wasn't anything she could do about it. She closed the door slowly and went back to the kitchen. The window above the sink was open just a little bit, and the cold air felt good as it blew against her face. The night seemed to be getting colder, and the wind was beginning to blow. Peggy was putting the dish towel away when she thought she smelled smoke. She went back to the sink and sniffed the air from the open window. She did smell smoke, like rubber burning. Then she was sure something was on fire somewhere, close. She ran from room to room. Everything was in order, but the smell of smoke was getting stronger. She opened the back door and looked out. At first, she could see nothing but the lights on the next street. But as her eyes became accustomed to the darkness, she saw a huge cloud of black smoke rising toward the stars. She couldn't tell how far away it was, but it couldn't be more than half a block. She closed the door with a bang. Her heart was pounding. 
She stood in the middle of the kitchen floor trying to think, should she call Mrs. Ross? Should she waken the twins in case she had to get them out of the house? The wail of sirens broke the silence. Fire engines were coming. Her heart pounded even more loudly as the engines with their circling red lights howled down the street. They slowed and stopped in front of the house just two doors away. People rushed from their homes and ran up and down the street shouting to one another. Peggy wanted to join them and see what was going on, but she had to stay with the twins. So Peggy stood at the door trying to see what was happening. The smoke was swirling among the houses. Now and then, she caught a glimpse of angry flames. Then she saw Mrs. Ross running up the stairs, her face deathly white. "'You're still here?' Mrs. Ross asked in a thin, strange voice. "'Of course I'm here,' Peggy said proudly. "'I promised you I wouldn't leave the house.' Mrs. Ross sank down on a chair and covered her face with her hands. "'I guess I'm acting a little silly, but I had such a scare the other time. "'When my twins were very small, I had to be gone for a couple of hours. "'I asked a girl to watch the babies for me, "'but when I got to town, I found that I had taken the wrong purse, "'so I had to come back. "'The door was locked, and Clara was gone. "'I couldn't get in because my keys were in the other purse. "'I had to climb through a window to get into my own house.' Fortunately, nothing had happened to the babies, but it still frightens me to think of all the things that could have happened. Did you say the girl's name was Clara? Peggy asked. Yes, Mrs. Ross answered. Her name was Clara. I'm afraid she's a friend of yours. That's one thing that worried me. I thought Clara was a friend of mine, Peggy said, but she really isn't. She and Mary wanted me to go to the drugstore, but I told them I had promised not to leave the house. Mrs. Ross began to smile. When Clara came back that day and found that I was home, she turned and ran away. She has never been near me since. As Peggy walked home along the crowded street, she was thankful that she hadn't let Clara and Mary persuade her to break her promise. The fire had been put out, the air was clean and crisp, the stars were bright, and Peggy's heart was singing. The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.